Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Humanity First podcast here at BAMSI. Uh, good to have you along for the next few minutes. Uh, with me uh, in the studio is Chris Ryan. Uh, hi, Chris. How are you doing? How are you? Good. So it's been an interesting week in the life of BAMSI for lots of different reasons. Um, just going back to the public face of BAMSI, we had a great uh, event on Friday night, which was actually hosted by Chris. Um, um, hopefully, people got to have a look at that. It was on. It was actually a live uh, Facebook stream. Um, great conversation, right, Chris? Um, I know that we had Pebbles, and people will know Pebbles as a radio personality uh, in the state, probably for the last twenty-five years or so, uh, who uh, uh, really. Uh, was a great addition to the panel. A uh, couple of doctors and, and of course, our own Christiana uh, Odonzi, who was uh, the nurse representative. Uh, Chris, how did it go? I thought it went great. I thought that um, we had a really diverse perspective on the vaccine, uh, providing information about the vaccine, um, both from kind of a a public type of perspective in what may be some of the inhibitors for people getting vaccinated, how some were able to overcome that, um, and also some straight-up facts about it. Dr. Herman um, was was excellent. We're going to have the uh, event available at bamsey.org slash vaccine pretty soon, both in its uh, entirety, and also we'll have some clips we'll be pushing out on social media as well. Um, You know, to me, uh, I've talked about this before. Um, you know, I think the vaccine is our best way to get back to normal, to trust the vaccine, and to um, you know, trust the the process as well. And you know, it was good to. We've all heard, you know, the various <laughs> conspiracy theories and you know the various um, concerns, legitimate concerns that people have about the vaccine, based upon a lot of disinformation and misinformation. Like one of the w- biggest ones that I've heard over and over again is uh, you know, infertility. I've also heard so often about, well, this vaccine, we don't really know what the long-term effects are going to be. You know, it's, it, was, it was rushed to, uh, to market. Um, we're probably not going to know what changes it makes to you or how it can affect you for five to 10 years. And you know, Dr. Herman was really good on both of those topics. I'm not a fertility expert, but these are the facts. It doesn't do anything. It hasn't, nothing is presented on, on that topic. He talked about myocarditis and how there have been uh, circumstances where that has presented, but when it does, it is extremely minimal. And it did not, uh, it was not shown initially through um, trial because uh, I believe 40,000 people were, were tested. um, And this is in the, uh, the, uh, five to uh, 11 ca- category where kids are going to be able to get vaccinated shortly. And you know, it didn't show uh, initially. Um, some things did not show because they're so rare with the vaccine. So I thought that was informative. I thought that um, you know, Dr. Mondesir was good. I, I really enjoyed the topic we got into at the end and something that Christiana has talked about a lot. And that is how disproportionately um, the pandemic affected um, African Americans and minority communities, and the overall public health concerns about minority communities. And Dr. Herman presented data on that as well. And said, well, it's actually uh, leveled out more towards the end right. here because in the South um, there has been 
a lack of interest in getting vaccinated in uh, predominant white communities, and therefore the virus has lasted there longer than in other communities. Yeah, a lot of great information. A lot of great information um, uh, shared on the evening. You know, one of the things that um, that is of uh, of great concern is not just communities of color, but uh, communities um, which are um, struggling financially mm-hmm. as well. Um, and good to hear that there is a leveling out. Um, and in fact, when we looked at our own data here, um, which isn't perfect, but it, it's showing there is no uh, difference of in, in the 1,700 employees that we have. There's no difference in people getting vaccinated and not get, getting vaccinated relative to, uh, relative to race. Now, there is a difference in terms of gender. And you're probably not going to be surprised by this, Chris, but more women are getting vaccinated than men. And I think that's probably um, also reflected in uh, the U.S. data uh, in terms of vaccine hesitancy for all of those different reasons that we've talked about. Um, But Dr. Herman's um, presentation is uh, very well-researched. Uh, and he has that information over the past year and two or three months. So I think a really good source of um, of information from from him. You know, just going back to this big conversation around why people don't get uh, vaccinated, it's it is, um, and in fact, in the chat room uh, for the this particular event last Friday, we became a uh, a platform for anti-vaxxers mm-hmm. to make their point. Um, of which was, in my opinion, um, poorly observed, and all of the information that they put forward was, uh, again, not researched at all. And when you put that against what the CDC has done, what the pharmaceuticals have done, and what the health systems like Kaiser Permanente are doing now, it just it, it, it's drowned out. But those voices persist. Though you know those conspiracy theories uh, persist. Uh, any thoughts on why that's still happening? Because the reality is, as we say, oh, you know, they want to follow us or they they want to do things. 700,000 people in this country have died from this virus. And that's an extraordinary number. Mm-hmm. It's, it's now surpassed 1918 with the flu. But yeah. we're, we're, still, we're still in the same position. What, what can we do? I think that the way to address this is um, by appealing to people on an emotional level because there is a emotional response at, at this point. And there's, there's some people that seem to be kind of so far gone in their uh, conclusions that you're not going to be able to, to move them. But you know, the, the very basic thing here to me is that people don't have an appropriate fear of COVID. And there is a mistrust of government and how they have handled COVID to um, to this point, where you know in certain places people didn't know anybody who had COVID for a period of time, but their kids' school was shut down and their work was shut down and they couldn't go to you know the um, they couldn't go to the bar and they're like this was an overreaction that this this, not, this all did not need to to happen and they look at the numbers and they're like well there's only a 05 percent chance of this happening or that happening. And it creates a um, a lack of um, respect, if you will, for for COVID and the um, 
the potential of uh, COVID being lethal for an individual. And so that then makes it a risk-reward scenario. Do I get vaccinated? Do I not get vaccinated? You know, is it, am I going to get a little sick? Am I not? And so that kind of mindset of what am I going to do? What's the best decision for me as opposed to it kind of being a, a patriotic thing to get um, vaccinated. And each generation has had their moments where they've been called upon to step up and try to do something to better our country and better our community. And this has been looked at as an individual choice where a person is kind of weighing the risk reward of whether or not they should get vaccinated. You're like, you look at the, the data and really in that like 16, even above 16, I'd say like 25 to 40 is an age group where people just are, are not getting vaccinated at the other numbers because they don't feel that it's going to affect mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And they don't feel like they need to um, get vaccinated. They're like, well, here's the choice here. I, I get COVID. Nothing's really going to happen to me in my view. Or I get the vaccine. I might not feel well for a couple of days. And so that's, to me, that's, <laughs> if you look at that 25 to 40, I think that that basic risk reward is is there. So how do we change uh, and alter people's minds? I think you have to appeal to them on an emotional level. You have to explain to people that have not been affected by COVID what it is and how it could, um, you know, change things. I think if you had a massive outbreak and people were um, unfortunately uh, suffering fatalities on a really continual basis and it felt like it was all around us, I think people get vaccinated in an instance. Mm. And you see that same response for those who do get sick and are in the hotel, uh, in the hospital rooms, where they're like, I wish I'd gotten vaccinated yeah. before because it's real to them yeah. at that moment. It doesn't feel mm. real mm-hmm. to people enough for them to, um, for the risk reward to move towards being vaccinated amongst that, you know, uh, 30 to 40% of the population. I think your logic is right. I think it's extraordinary. I mean, if you think about it, uh, the Boston Globe yesterday, I was reading, it said that um, in the last two and a half months, 100,000 people have died in this country. So you want to, that's a big number to me. Obviously, it's not a big enough number for people to think that it's uh, it's coming home, that's on their doorstep, which is the thing that really worries me. I like the idea of, the, of you aligning this kind of action with the Second World War, for example, mm-hmm. um, when uh, in the First World War, when people made the ultimate sacrifice because they knew that they were bound uh, in loyalty to to their country, and America is a very loyal country, um, and I think naming that is a, is an interesting idea. I do think, and, and, and let's talk about this for a minute, because you know we try and stay away from um, political discussion here, but it's very difficult to not have a political discussion around how this virus has been politicized. Um, and when you... On both sides, but oh, one oh, yeah, yeah. one side is, and I've had this argument with people over and over again, sorry to interrupt, but you know, one side went way in a direction that maybe we didn't need to go in, and the other side's looking at it and saying, yeah, they... I don't ever want to go to a place again where I have to, you know, stay in my home and uh, you know, basically shelter in place 
out of fear for something that's only going to do you know x amount of of damage and they play it out from a from a logical perspective i think that if um this were a cancer vaccine say as an example like everybody has had a loved one uh, or a friend who has died as a result of cancer and, and cancer scares people honestly if there was a cancer vaccine that was out there and you could take that and you weren't you knew you weren't going to get cancer um i think you'd see yeah percent of people would do that right so there's not an appropriate fear, fear. and i think that that is the biggest part of this so do you try to uh convey the information to present a fear i mean that's the that's the big debate like you look at as an example and we've kind of gone through this we've been running a, a robust um you know ad campaign focused on getting people vaccinated and it's like do you go fire and brimstone like do you do the old cigarette ads where the, yeah, the lungs yeah or the lungs or the person doesn't have a throat yeah, and yeah. like do you do that and because i mean i know people who have had covid and have lost you know circulation in their legs mm-hmm. and have had really difficult circumstances so again i mean you're not gonna People have made up their own minds about what COVID is or isn't. And the best way to appeal to them, in my view, is to appeal to that common cause of doing something for the greater good where, okay, you, the likelihood of you as a 25 to 40-year-old, even with numbers growing, dying of COVID is still very fast small. Is, fast is growing. Right. right. It is, it, and because it's unvaccinated. Yeah. But the still, if it being serious, they're still very, very small. But – if you pass that along to your dad or to somebody else or to a coworker, like what do you, what is your level of responsibility? Plus all the the protocols that are in place as well. Where if you know you test, if somebody around you tests positive, it's still a very cumbersome process where you may have to quarantine. Um, where your your business may you, you may have an adverse effect on people. So do what's best for everybody else. I still feel like kind of informing people as to what the appropriate level of fear is of COVID and appealing to their cause to do something bigger than themselves. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it it, it is about um, uh, addressing this on, on multiple fronts with people because they're, you know, they're, they're not a homogeneous bunch, the people who don't want to be vaccinated. You know, you get people who are pregnant um, who worry about fertility issues, and that's a worry, but there's, as uh, as we talked about before, there is good evidence. And then there are people who are just anti-government, uh, and then and and you know those are the free staters. Those are people who are not mm-hmm. vaccinated in any way and probably you know don't pay their taxes or something like that. It's a very small amount of the population. In some ways, you it's not about writing those folks off, but it's about you're probably not going to waste your time on that group so much yeah. as the bigger part of the population, which is just questioning. Yeah, to me, like I question everything, and <laughs> I um, that's like. That's a big part of who I am. And so I'm going to question what mm-hmm. the, um, quote, unquote, the government is doing. But, you know, it, it gets back to, you know, something you were talking about on your radio show where if there is a conspiracy, it's very difficult to keep it uh, together. Mm-hmm. I, the old adage is that two people can keep a secret if one of them is dead. <laughs> and, um, right. you know, do you think back – and I was thinking about this and, you know, people were – Talking about Dr. Herman and and other doctors, and they're like, "Well, they're all part of the, they're all part of it. They're part of the government." Like, so 
Dr. Herman is like a respected member of the community. And people will be like, whether it's election fraud or everything else, it's like all these people are a part of this thing. No, Dr. Herman's your neighbor. Mm -hmm. He's not like some (laughs) part of some vast, you know, it's, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. And so this, this notion of the government or big this or, or big that, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's people out there that, that don't have the best intent and, um, you know, maybe selfish in their nature, but this feeling that, Anybody that advocates for the vaccine or is a doctor presenting evidence about the vaccine is a part of this vast conspiracy. Like it's – it doesn't it doesn't pass any sort of a test imaginable. Chris is having difficulty finding words at the moment, which is very unusual for him. Words that, words that are appropriate for this audience. I think, I think so. I mean I think I, – when when I think about it, and I, I read something a while ago about conspiracism, there are people that still believe that the, we never landed on the moon, right? That, that was 1969, 50-something years ago. And, um, and, and there are a, there's a cohort of people who still don't believe it. They think that the whole thing was rigged, I think, in a um, – in a, in a, Hollywood studio. Yeah, in a Hollywood yeah. studio. And, and when you think about that, there were probably 25,000 people in some way mm-hmm. connected to that mm-hmm. NASA, NASA mission. So you'd have to have 25,000 people mm-hmm. who would all remain silent for 50 years. And would turn down millions of dollars in order to tell their story. It's just never going to happen. Right. And it's, it's like we said before, if anybody's had a surprise birthday party thrown for them, everybody finds out about it. People right. are poor at keeping secrets. But there's something else under, underlying that, right, Chris? It's an, you can't just say, well, it's ridiculous. It's here. It's with us. Right. I think, you know, the most important question to always ask is is why and you can denigrate people and mock them and um you know tell them that they're they're acting like lunatics and you can do all that but the fact of the matter is that um you know when you are part of a team and those people are part of the team and you need them to uh, to do what is needed for the betterment of society you know, you have to figure out how to to bring them along, and you have to find out why. Is it that they're actually just afraid of needles, or that they uh, they just don't want to do it, and they're clinging to other reasons why? I mean, there's some people that are, as I mentioned, they're very, very fervent in these beliefs, if you will, but there are others that. Let's get to the bottom of why you think this way, and I think it goes kind of goes across. Many different elements. Like we tend to, you know, castigate people and push them aside and not really try to figure out what is going on and why. You know, we've talked a lot about racial justice over the past year, and it's easy to say, well, that person's a racist, they're they're not redeemable, and just kind of put. But if there's thousands, if not millions of people that share the same beliefs, pretending that it doesn't take place is not really right. an option. And it's the same thing with the with the vaccine. Like if, if you have one person that believes something that is outlandish or is just has a, a horrible disposition or whatever, yeah, it may make sense to cast that person aside and determine that they're not, you know, the best thing for your life or whatever. But when there's 
evidence that there's a vast number of people that are um, holding our society back in one way or another, you can't just be like, well, that's not something I believe in and, you know, pretend that it doesn't take place because then we all just function in our own silos. I mean, there's a reason that people believe certain things and you have to listen to why in order to make progress going forward. Yeah, it's all about looking for the root if if you ask yeah. me and you know that um that idea of the person in the New Hampshire state house who ran in screaming about Bill Gates, you know, yeah. creating covid for population control. Um clearly that is wrong and and clearly it's a a theory that is based on a conclusion before research and we have to but i agree with you we have to get into conversations with people we can't be in our own echo chambers yeah. and um, if you're one of the people that's there and the guys screaming you know bill gates is your your master and you you, you want do you want to be controlled by bill gates and initially like the people are like what is going on here like this guy is screaming in some strange qanon dialect you know, and to be kind of scared and taken back. But then when you realize there's 100, 200 more people outside and they – again, we're talking about an executive council uh, meeting up in New Hampshire in which um, there were a number of anti-vaccine protesters and they ended up uh, postponing the executive council meeting because they were concerned about the uh, numbers of people and potential for for violence. And that you – know, you could debate that for, for a long period of time whether that was the right move or not. But yeah, I mean initially your response is, well, what is going on here? Like why is why is this – what is this person even talking about? And then you're like, well, do I give it some – you know, do I give it some credence and do you, you, do you delve into figuring out what's going on here? And, you know, if it's – again, if it's just one person, you let it go. But if there's 200 people and you look at the vaccine vaccination numbers in here in this area or New Hampshire or Alabama, and there's literally millions of people that, um, for whatever reason, decided not to get a life-saving vaccination that is free. And so, so that to me, like it, it, it breeds interest. Like, why is this? Why is this happening? And how do we change it? Yeah. And I think, you know, when you look at this country, it has the highest, highest number of vaccine refusers when you compare with the availability of the of the vaccine. I mean, you know, obviously only two percent of the continent of Africa is mm-hmm. uh, is vaccinated because we can't get uh, the shots out there. But when you get that and again, you have to ask why, you know, this is a divide. This is a divide in this country and along political lines and and both those political mm-hmm. parties have lined up behind that. Yeah. And only recently, I have to say, the Republicans have actually come out and said you should get the mm-hmm. um, you should get the vaccine. Um, and I think I think they missed uh, a real opportunity back then. Even now, Chris, you know, sorry to stay in New Hampshire, but you know, that last week Ken Weiler, who is the House Finance Committee chair uh, and a Republican, was spreading um, information about the virus having a living organism in it that would that had its own thoughts and could move and sit up by itself. Literally, that's what he was handing out. The governor, Governor Sununu, said this is ridiculous, but the party stood behind him. Right. 
Uh, yeah, the apparatus which could remove him from office uh, – or not remove him from office, but uh, remove him from his chairmanship of the budget committee, which um, goes about delving into the budget and determines what is funded, what is not funded, the allocation of those funds and to what level and all that. Um, he has not been asked to resign as of yet. And in fact, they uh, enabled him and said that uh, – no, he was just passing That's along so constituent concerns and so forth. So – yeah, I mean, there's there's that. There's the the guy who you know was running around at the executive council meeting and saying, you know, you're not going to inject me. Try it, do it, try to do it. You'll never. Uh, and I, I don't I don't know. It's just um, it continues to amaze me though. Just because you have like two different just one thing, two different juxtapositions, right? I mean, you have this guy who is saying, don't do it, don't. Do it. And then you have the other people who are, when's the booster going to be ready? When's yeah. going to be ready? Yeah. I want to get a booster shot. Yeah. Can I get it? Can yeah. I get it? Yeah. Like. It's it is um, it is bizarre. These two different. I mean, I I, I don't I don't think categorizing people wanting a booster shot is extreme or you know there, but like they're they're on that side of it of really being vigilant and wanting to make sure they're protected. And then there's the other people that are like, you're never going to do it to me. You're never going to vaccinate me. Yeah. And I think I, I honestly, I'm sorry, but I think there's a uh, a negative role that the political process has played in this. And oftentimes we end up supporting things as mm-hmm. politicians, which reflect your party's ability to be in power rather than the good of the nation. I feel that the politicians are generally reflective of what is taking place at the grassroots as opposed to vice versa. The politicians are not leaders. They're followers. And I feel that if they see something that is taking place and there's an opportunity to capitalize on it for their gain, they'll do it. So I don't think that the – I think the politicians may have perpetuated the problem, but the anti-vaccine sentiment is one that exists um, beyond politics. Because if you look at the politicians, they're all vaccinated. You look at the yeah. Um, yeah. the cable talk show hosts, also oh. vaccinated. So – they're playing to an audience that they feel is going to benefit them with votes or campaign funds or viewership or whatever. So they're playing to that denominator, but they're not leading those people. I mean, they're providing information that you know will further enforce what they believe, but they're not the puppet master. They're the they are giving the people what they want in my view in order to perpetuate correct their, their position in the society which correct. i think i think actually we're probably arguing back to the same point in the end um that we that if 70 percent of the people in the country believe in the vaccine which is about right about 75 percent think that we should be vaccinated some mm-hmm. people are hesitant but they think it's a good thing mm-hmm. 70 to 75 percent and the, that political party still be, is still supporting people who don't think that. Mm-hmm. Surely that's political suicide, isn't it? Well, no. Here's why. <laughs> because 50% of the population doesn't think. vote <laughs> and uh, 25% will be with them and 25% will be against them. So it gets back to being split again. Mm-hmm. And you play it out at 25%, but we're a country of 330 million people. So you're still, you know, checking in at 82 million people. So that's the situation. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big group of people. 
But I do think that um, we tend to lose the plot sometimes when we have a secondary agenda. And, you know, and I think that's true on both sides. Um, and the sooner that we can actually get down to the real work here, which is making sure that we inoculate a nation against something that is treatable and develop a therapeutic so that we can return to our normal way of life. Because we're not there. We're not at – some people may think we are, but we're not there. There's going to be other instances of – uh, breakthrough mm -hmm. uh, variants etc uh, and we have to remain uh, cautious as we go about this and we have to persuade the country that this is the best direction to go in yeah i feel like we're we're plunging forward um but we don't quite know what direction we're going in in, in entirety and you can't discount the vast effect that the last 18 months have had on people from a mental perspective and you know, I still feel it now and I'll be out in crowds, masked, mm -hmm. vaccinated, but there's still like a still like a feeling. It doesn't mm -hmm. feel right. It feels it feels strange mm -hmm. still. And and maybe some people are different and they can just kind of go all in and they don't feel like there's a risk involved with being yourself. But I don't know. Like I feel like there's I still feel like there's a inherent risk that I'm gonna you know, by doing my job or whatever, that I'm going to go and I could potentially bring COVID home to my kids. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's that. There's a, again that risk reward that that exists, and is it? And it brings us back to kind of the the opening topic where do you, you play out the numbers. I'm vaccinated. I'm socially distanced. I'm um, you know not spending a lot of time with people in enclosed places. So you're doing everything right, but you still feel a certain way, and you can't equate feeling you can't equate emotion i mean there's the one plus one equals two aspects of life but emotion love and all that type of stuff is one plus one equals three mm -hmm. it doesn't have to make sense right. and we may search for the whys of people not getting vaccinated but again it doesn't have to make sense we want to function in a logical rational world but at times people are human yeah, that's right. And we make progress on a daily basis. We, we you know, we've been having these flu cl flu clinics and yeah, not, not we're not getting huge numbers, but we're getting numbers people who are saying, "You know what? It's time for me. It's time for me to come in. It's time for me to be vaccinated." And you know, nobody it, it's it's like that 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 curve of uh, of take up, right? You your your first 20%, your, your earlier adopters, you don't need to be a genius to grab that number of people because they are primed that for the pump it's really that the rest of the curve those people who then want to see the early adopters um are okay they'll get but there's you know a good 25 30 percent of the population that are late adopters or don't want anything to know those are the people who are the challenge for us in terms of all the things we've talked about that ability of selling it as something that can kill you but also selling it as something that you can do to help your country um, though I'm optimistic that we'll continue to gain more traction with that group. We won't get all of them, but I believe that we will, because that's the way that we'll be able to get back to normality. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for listening to Humanity First, and uh, see you all next time. Bye.